everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Hey, everybody. It is our Thursday Talk with Wayne session. As always, interesting diversity. Um, I am sitting on a bench outside of a Walmart in Nampa, Idaho, which is where I am moving to. I'm going to turn it around here, let you see the, <laughs> the, draw, the bays of the the Walmart store. Um, no issues right now, although, wow, have I had issues over the last number of days. Um, I'm really now just sitting waiting to go in and get a an oil change, which I told them I had a little bit of time to do this webinar. And so I think I saw my truck being driven to go in for the process. I'm going to walk just a tiny bit here. Whoa, chair fell backwards as I did that. Let's see where my truck is. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's back in that bay there. That little bitty car right there in front is not mine, but the truck behind it is. Anyway, it's a beautiful day. Um, 65, something like that, temperature-wise. And... Uh, just a tiny bit of clouds, beautiful here in Idaho today. And Mark's with me in Bangladesh. And Mark, how's everything there? Yeah, we are um, We are cooler now, but um, everything is good. Okay. Um, how's the uh, Cricket World Cup going? Or is that not the World Cup? Is it something there was a... Something coming up in cricket. Yeah, it is. It is the World Cup. <laughs> it is the World Cup. We we are going to play New Zealand tomorrow. Um, yeah. And we lost with England. We we won one game. We won uh, against Afghanistan. Beat them. And then we lost with England. And now tomorrow we have uh, uh, New Zealand. So let's see how we yeah. do. Yeah. So um, last week, I believe we were on the road, weren't we, Mark? And right. yes, and we did it the webinar from from uh, uh, the car. And I'm going to show you something because we talked about goat heads, and they are so prevalent here. Turn my camera around again. This is the bottom of my shoe. And these are goat heads that are stuck into it. So there is one right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, notice it's got the the one, the, the, the two spikes. And this one, one of them's broken off. And then the little thing like going down, it looks like the the, the the head and the, yeah. the, the the billy of the billy goat but look at all of them that i have in the shoe look at this they're just where do they where do they come from 
Wow, they, they are the seeds of this plant that maybe I'll walk around here and see one. Just a second here. I bet I can find one. Um, and if you walk on a, a hard floor tile or something with mm -hmm. these things stuck in your shoes, they will literally scratch up the tile. They're hard as rocks. Mm. They just stick into everything. So I'm peeling them out here with this shoe. So you go into the house, you're not going to, you're going to wear your shoes at all inside anything. You're going to want to pull every one of those goat heads out, which I just did there. Darn it. I also had a, a drink that I was having that I just allowed to get unbelievably carbonated because it I knocked it over. So anyway, one of the reasons that it's really of concern me today is that um, I brought my bicycle with me on this trip, and it is right there. And I haven't taken it out for a ride yet, but I was going to today. Here it is. It is a Specialized, which is a brand that's, I think they're Chinese. I, I'm pretty sure that everybody, they've been in America forever. They sponsor lots of teams and things. And, um, mine's pretty blah. It's a gray color. Um, but anyway, these are what are called gravel tires, which means uh, they're not as slick as a road tire would typically be. Um, notice the little bumps on them and then that ridge on the top. They're meant to be ridden off-road a little bit more than on-road, which is what I do with this bike. Um, but they're not meant to be able to go through those goat heads. And frankly, even though this tire is full of sealant, if, if I went through one of those goat heads, it's likely I'd get a flat. So I went to a bike store uh, earlier today because I'd heard that they make this material you can put inside the tire. And then, so these have tubes in, these are tubed tires. And um, even though this tire has got what's called slime, which is this green stuff you can buy really pretty cheap that are in, that's inside it, inside the tube, um, if I, again, if I hit a goat head, it'd penetrate the tire itself and then it would penetrate the tube. There's this material called Tannus, T-A-N-N-O-U-S. I don't know the website for it. Maybe Mark, maybe we could look it up while I'm, while I'm getting, while we're talking here, uh, maybe show it. But pretty cool because I've not heard of it before. And it is a, a material that you put on the inside of your tire and then your tube goes uh, inside of that, and it's a half an inch thick on the outside of the tire. Now, it adds some weight, but this bike is off the charts light anyway, but it, uh, it adds some weight, you know, maybe several ounces, and, um, but it will, it will supposedly completely protect against uh, goat heads. So kind of excited. That's why I took the bike out here. I was going to ride it around a little bit before my vehicle went in, and uh, I thought I'd have a little extra time 
and um, I didn't get a chance to do it. So, but anyway, I ordered that uh, and went to get it installed and they were out. And so this tire still doesn't have that material in it, but um, I actually have a few other things here that I want to show everybody that are some things that are kind of necessary if you're doing cycling. And as a green person, economics oriented, cycling is something that I think you should want to be doing. Uh, Mark's just showing this uh, uh, tubeless tire sealant. That's a little different. That's not the stuff I'm talking about, although that, that might work too. Sportsman's Warehouse is a U.S. store, Mark, but isn't that that's priced in, is that your, is that your, uh, what would that, the price of that can be in U.S. dollars? Uh, that's about a dollar, dollar uh, thirty. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was, it should be pretty inexpensive. That, that is a tubeless tire sealant. Huh, pretty cool. Look up this, this thing called Tannis. T-A-N-N-O-U-S. Okay. Tannis Tire Protector, probably. Yep, that's it. It's that pink, it's that pinkish red thing that you put inside. Look at the picture there. And it's a lot more expensive, but it should last forever. Mark, look it up in your in your in your currency price and see what the price of that is. Uh, okay, well, it's uh, I'm looking at Amazon.com. Ah, uh, okay. Mike, I'm going to guess at the price. You 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 look it up and then tell me. And don't tell me yet. Look up and so you know the price, and then I'm going to guess at it. For two tires, $76. Two tires, $76, I bet. And then here's the liquid. So there isn't, there isn't a price listed here. No, pr no price, no, no price. price. Okay. Yeah, no price huh. given. Uh, All right. By the way, anybody that's out there in the audience, whether a replay or live, um, make sure you uh, put some, put your fingers to the keyboard and give us some questions. And if you like something we say, give us a heart. If you hate something we say, I don't even know how you do that by clicking on something. We had an amazing webinar yesterday slash podcast with John Liu. If you weren't able to attend, you have got to watch the replay. I just highly recommend it. Mark, give me your three highlights from the webinar yesterday. Podcast. I keep calling yeah, them webinars. They're podcasts. Right. Yeah, the um, how he changed, uh, transformed desert in China. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, and how much? Tell him how much desert. It's it's almost like 
a mountain full of desert, like a. No, desert. it's way more than that. It's the size of something. He said what it was. He showed the picture. You can see yeah. it from space really easily. It's the size of the country of France. Right. It's not just a mountain. It's a lot more than that. The whole country of France is how large? 35,000 kilometers, square kilometers. Right. That's massive. Very, very large area. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's so that's one highlight. What's the second one, Mark? Um, second one, he talked about uh, the, um, the history of uh, evolution of uh, humans and, and how uh, ag the agriculture and everything changed, um, how human, humans um, evolved so throughout history. So it was interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he talked about he talked about himself a little bit, his his own family a little bit. And uh, um, and then he, what he does, um, so, uh, yeah, and that was pretty interesting. You know? Cool. Yeah. Well, that's a, those are some good highlights. Um, make sure you interrupt me, Mark. If there's any questions, right. I'm going to show now some things that, as a cyclist, you should have. And sometimes people don't have these things, but you really should. They're not any of them very expensive. One is the most expensive, and it's a helmet. And this one happens to be made by a company called Mongoose, which is a very prominent name in cycling. Uh, I am alive today, today because of one of these, and I would be dead today if I wouldn't have been wearing one. And uh, I had a crash 30 years ago about that I hit the ground so hard with my head that um, I cracked the helmet. And these things have got all kinds of warranties related to cracking and not not that they won't. Um, and by the way, this was not some ridiculous, I didn't get hit by a car. I literally had a wreck because of being in a race, a lot of other cyclists and, um, and hitting a post that I couldn't avoid and going, having my, my fork, which is that device there in the front. I gotta switch this around again. This is the fork right here. It goes down to the front tire, and the tire hit a post like this. Here's a button. Got it wrapped around. I got something wrapped around my bike for a second. The bike hit a post head on like this directly, and it snapped what's called the top tube right here, right below my handlebars. There's the handlebars. There's where it snapped. This is obviously not this frame. Um, anyway, I went head over heels. I did a flip 
and landed on my head. And uh, again, without the helmet, I'd be dead today. Um, so that's one item. Here's one that is, it's called a phone and storage bag. So what you do is you put your phone right here in the front of it. And this is a touch pad that you, you can touch this and your phone underneath it. Your phone is what will show a map, for example, if you want to be using that when you're riding. Inside this is where you can put all your gear that you would need. You can put a cable through it right here to a, to a headset if you wanted to have that. It'll mount on your bike with a Ziploc, and it would mount on a variety of different locations. Um, in this case, it, it might go right below the, the what's called the, the, the top tube here and down to the drop uh, tube on the end here. Or you might put it up front. Actually, if you want to be looking at your, at your phone while you're riding, you'd put it right in here or somewhere in that kind of a location. So that's, that's another one. These are all new, by the way, because I, I got Walmart to let me show them to you here uh, because guess what? You might buy them from them. So that one I dropped, but it's a company called Zephyl. Oh, the company that made the other is also called Zephyl. I believe they're a Swiss company. This is a mounting uh, item for a cell phone. And it'll, it'll go out, expand in size to make uh, it be different sizes for your cell phone. And it's got all kinds of mounting devices here. And it says you don't need any tools. I haven't put this one on a bike yet. So that's what that is. This is a toolkit made by a company called Blackburn that's pretty well known. And, it, and it's a toolkit for just all of your issues, most of them related to um, repair of a tire. So there are patch kits down here. There are devices you use to remove your tire from your rim. There are Allen wrenches here that you can use for all kinds of different repair. There's, there's the different kinds of patches. There's a rectangular ones, little smaller rectangular ones, circular ones. This is what you use to, to brush the surface of the tire when you put the patch on it. Uh, and then this is the sealant, the adhesive that you use, not sealant, but adhesive to put the patch onto the tire. Shows the different sizes of Allen wrenches. And there's also a Phillips screwdriver. These are these tire levers that you can use to get your tire off. Um, this is, oh, um, the bag was about $17. The helmet, the Von Goose helmet was $34. Um, this is US. This repair kit was about $12. The expansion for your phone mounting was uh, was, I think, $9. And then this is a uh, bike pump that you can uh, mount on your frame. So it would 
out right down in that area um, on your frame of your bike. It will probably show us here how you mount it. Here it does. Um, it's actually showing it right where I had it there on the tube. Um, and it's got a gauge. And this is the, the where the valve goes for the tire. And then you pump it back and forth. Uh, relatively inexpensive pump, uh, about uh, $12, I believe. And the last item, maybe the most important here in the States, maybe everywhere, is a lock, which um, this one is heavy. And so it's probably heavier than any other device on the bike. It's key uh, locked. I like the key lock because obviously, at least I have lots of keys for all kinds of things. So it's just easy to put on the same key ring that I've got my truck key or car key or whatever. And um, instead of combination, which I could forget or something, I guess. So that is um, the things that I think are really important to have other than a light, which I didn't show here. Um, there's maybe even more important if you're going to ever ride at dark, but it's also even good to wear during the day because you can identify yourself to cars um, when you're out on the road. So, Mark, which of all those things do you see on bikes that you see riding around in Bangladesh? Uh, I see locks a lot. Um, and then um... – People don't wear helmets in my country. Oh yeah, That's right. It's uncommon, but I, um, locks are very important because bikes get stolen a lot. So, um, and then uh, you you won't see any uh, any of the um, mobile like um, holders that hold your phone. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That doesn't surprise me that you wouldn't have any of that. Right. Um, although, don't they say that there are more? I read this number. There are more mobile phones in the world than there are people. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. But um, I think uh, when, when people ride a bicycle, they don't carry or they... You know, people who do ride bicycles in my country, they usually carry phones in their pocket. They don't have a, a holder. But, okay. uh, yeah, you don't see that uh, the, the way you have had the, uh, the, the gadgets for that. Uh, another thing is, okay. the yeah, people have water bottles. Uh, yeah, and, and I... This is not a water bottle. This is, yeah. unfortunately, something I shouldn't be drinking. But about Mountain Dew, yeah. That's about the size. This is about. This is twelve ounces, I think. No, no, this is sixteen. This is twenty. This is twenty ounces. Twenty. This is. Okay. This would fit really well on your bike. Like, yes. Put my phone around again. Uh, you'd have a holder for it right about here, yeah, right on exactly. your tube. Right. Exactly. Like So, and you, have, um, and you have your pump uh, with you. So, um, I don't know if people carry that with them. 
Uh, you know, I bet needed. more of them. I bet more do than you think, Mark, because flats <laughs> are so common bicycles. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And the, and you wouldn't really notice them. So now, now that you're out and about, start looking for them because <laughs> they'll be mounted on the tube somewhere. Right. Um, I'll, I'll I'll ask my son because he's he's got a bike. He goes riding. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. He he bought one. I don't know. Uh, I I bought him a a bike, uh, and that's pretty expensive one, foreign made. So maybe China. Um and and is it a, Do you know whether it's a mountain bike or road bike or can it, it go it a, in, in dirt or? No, it's it's a mountain bike, uh, because okay. it, it, the the handles are like straight. It right, go it's not like. They're not, not like, like going down. We call what this bike has drops, so they don't yes. have that drop there. Right, but his his bike is yeah. straight out, and then. Right. Uh huh. But he's he's made some modifications to it. He's always you know riding it. Then he goes out oh. and makes yeah. But I'm I'm gonna uh, you know I'm I'm sure he's got the. Pump because the, the tires go flat so often. He used to take, right. you know. Is he mechanical? You think? Mm, no, he doesn't work. He goes to the bike shop and then has stuff added to it. So he doesn't work himself. Are, are yeah. you at all mechanical? Can you fix things? I am. I am moderately. I'm certainly not good, but I'm I'm <laughs> Right. I, I would yeah, I would say I I know some stuff, like I can um change oil or you know in my car. I uh used to do it but I don't do it anymore, but I could um uh, things like that, but not really good at good at doing complicated things mechanical, right. yeah. All right. Any questions out there or comments? Well, I don't see any questions yet. Okay. Uh, people out there, but they haven't typed anything yet. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to just comment a little bit now on some of the thoughts of, of John Liu yesterday, which is how one guy who was a reporter, this is John, with CBS, one of the worldwide networks of broadcasting at the time, in, uh, in around 1990, who is really interesting in terms of his, his heritage. His mother is American. Her relatives came to North America in the 1500s. So she is very many generations American. His father is native Chinese. And his mother's 104 and she's still with us. She's still alive. His father died five years ago. His father fought in World War II with the Chinese army who Again, for those that didn't know it, were allies of the United States in, in World War II. 
and he actually fought with directly with American troops and and ended up at the end of the war in the United States. And that's where he met his wife and ended up marrying an American woman. <laughs> um, which is really very cool. Just just a neat story. And so he's a dual citizen. He's a citizen of both the US and of China. And although he spent most of his time in China, um, and in 1990, he became interested in this, this really terrible, looks like the worst desert you've ever seen in terms of just nothing growing there. Erosion was terrible. Like we were showing last week, those of you that were with us as we were driving down the road and looking at natural erosion. Um, this erosion, though, was not natural. It was caused by horrible farming techniques that had been used for maybe, you know, more than a thousand years. Uh, for sure, a thousand, and typically longer. The, 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 the Chinese history goes back way more than a thousand years that we, we, we have written history, uh, drawn history of. So he... Um, um, he became interested in this area that is called the Loess, L-O-E-S-S Plateau. And it's, it's highly, um, I'm going to call it geographically hilly. Um, lots of, of, of valleys caused by rivers, by water, and, and then uh, hillsides. And... Um, not big mountains, but still, you know, not just flat at all. It's not at all a flat area. And again, through really bad farming techniques through the many, many years, thousands of years, it had become a wasteland to where today, in 1990 at least, hardly anyone lived in it anymore, and nobody farmed it, and nobody did anything with it. It was just torrid. And again, remember, it's the size of the country of France. Well, he was able to, while well, I'm making a longer story short, convince the Chinese government and the World Food Bank to invest money to reclaim it and make it livable again. And he showed us pictures last night of what it looked like before and what it looks like now, what it looked like 10 years after it, the whole process started. So in 1993, they started to reclaim it. And millions, he didn't say this last night, but I've heard him say it before, millions of Chinese workers using shovels for the most part, that was what the tools were, created berms and swales, much in the same way that Mark Shepard would teach or William Horvath. Um, land management, put it back to a place where it, it, it literally is, is going to maintain itself into the future. It, by doing it, it now, tell everybody what it looks like now. Yeah, it's, it's now green and trees and plants everywhere. Um, and they get crops 
Um, so it totally transformed from desert to a, a, a green uh, vegetation, growing crops and everything. So and what did he say about the temperature of the air, the area? It went down like 30 degrees. Uh, right. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yep. Which makes it, it, it was, it would had gotten to where on the soil, on the ground, it was what, over 120 it was like over degrees. 100, yeah, 120 yeah. degrees. And now it's like right. 80 degrees. Yep. Because the, the vegetation, the the rich soil holds water and makes it makes the air around it much more moist. Cooler. And that moist air will 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 repel heat essentially. Right. So it's amazing. It's just amazing. So anyway, here's the point. That's a huge project, probably not one that you and I or any of us could ever even imagine but what if you were to have, be able to do it on a smaller scale what if you were to be able to do something like it to to change wherever it is that you live so most of you live in cities probably mark does what did he tell us mark what were the kinds of things that that you could do in your city and we've talked about all of these before but just give us yeah. several mark give us three or four for uh Roof gardening is one thing. Yep, um, yep. And then roadside trees, maybe in the corner, yep. you can plant, yep. plant some, uh, cool it down. And then um, inside the house, anywhere, you can hang some plants um, yep. on your windows, window sill, uh, ceiling plants, anything that grows inside helps. Yep, all those things. Um, and what what did that experience lead him to, to what he's doing today, and he's been doing since 2017, about a year after we started EAT? Uh, now he is, uh, one thing is he's teaching his uh, system Yep. Uh, yeah. Giving talks in in places, um, making news, um, universities, you name it. So he's, he's got webinars and um, symposiums, um, meetings, classes all over the world. Uh, he mentioned several several uh, places uh, in in Africa. I don't remember all the uh, all the places we talked about. But definitely some news channels and, and uh, places in Africa he does uh, classes in. Yep. And then he also has started what are called ecological restoration camps. And yeah. there are 65 of them now. There were none in 2017. And the first one started in Spain in 2017. And they range from urban situations. He mentioned one in Los Angeles, but to where people are doing everything from just 
better recycling to um, again to urban gardens to um, water uh, collection rainwater collection just all kinds of things to the he talked about one in uh, in Africa I think that's in Rwanda which is 7,000 acres so it's still not quite the size of of the big place in China, but still very large. These camps, any of you could start one and you would get support from the, the entity, Ecological um, Restoration Camp. Uh, Mark might even be able to pull up their web website and show it to us. Um, but um, more often than not, and there's a process you go through, so you just don't decide you're going to do it and then do it. But instead, you go through a process and you, you start the process and you uh, you get um, you start to get funded and and then you can start to do little things. And it's not just restoration. And this is the big thing that he's I took away. It's probably more importantly social than anything else that that if if you happen to be a person that's passionate about um, rooftop gardening, then you can just do that. If you're a person that loves how to collect rainwater, that you can, that can be your expertise. You can do that and, and have fun with it. And then it's not just work. You don't just go to these camps and work. You go to the camps and, and work and have fun. And, uh, and then the biggest thing I took away, and I've been doing it myself since 2017, is everybody, if, if just a million people gave $10 a month, we could have thousands of these camps around the world. So he encourages us to give $10 a month um, and or 10 euros and the equivalent of 10 euros, whatever your currency would be. So um, it was awesome. Very, very cool session. And, and we learned a lot about what we can do and not just what is being done by others. So does that prompt any comments or questions? I would assume, yeah, Alicia, for example, if she's out there, will give us all kinds of comments and different things. Yeah, I'm going to walk a little bit more. Yeah, she has, uh, she's got a website uh, about John Duke. Uh, his podcast, and then he's got several sites for ecological restoration. Um, and then there is a comment from Jacqueline. Jacqueline says, I ride my bike to work every day. And when I was in Netherlands, there are more parking lots for bicycles than cars. Oh, that's great. Great to know. So he rides his work. And then, uh, hello from Cover, Virginia. Okay, so this is from Virginia. Uh, oh, that's uh, that's all about um, okay about it. Uh, there's cool. one com right. Uh, there's one comment from Jacqueline. She says, "I'm collecting beer grain." Coffee grains and animal manure um, composting 
quarter of an acre, growing as much food as uh, possible. We have chicken, um, bad house, rain ba uh, barrels, sand, uh, sadly the neighborhood things we have, we have lost our mind, okay. <laughs> They're still spraying their, their lawns with toxic chemicals. Uh, it's a slow, steady process. Okay. All right, so I think that's about it. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for those comments and thoughts. They're all, all very important, meaningful. Any questions there, Mark, for me? Mm, I don't see any questions. By the way, uh, Lisa is in the audience. So let's hear. Uh, maybe she can add something. Um, so that's, that's it, uh, question-wise. So there's one, one more Hello, this is Lisa. I'm driving, so I'm just going to take myself off mute for a moment and just weigh in and share that it was really an uplifting uh, podcast yesterday with John Liu. And uh, it was really interesting to hear like all the different ways that people could uh, participate. So I just really in in really beneficial ways to to join in the fight against climate change in in simple insane ways and one of my favorite things that he shared was that if we put the ecology first together as as a world humanity then our politics would come second and we would be able to with this diversity of plants and abundance of crops we would be able to uh, really change, uh, make some effective social changes as well um, by reducing food insecurity. So it was really, really inspiring. And um, I thought one of the interesting things was how he mentioned that in uh, Los Angeles, they're figuring out ways to recycle gray water. So I think uh, if people missed it, you know, it's a really worthwhile podcast. They can go back onto the Eat Community uh, website and uh, members can, uh, the podcasts are always recorded and so they can uh, listen in to themselves for themselves. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, and isn't it interesting how different things we get? I. I heard him talk briefly about the gray water, but I did not hear it anymore. Is that the coyote group in LA that was just doing that? The, the team? I don't remember the exact group, but that might be that might be the, the one, but yep. Cool. Well, yeah, it was just awesome. And I have not reached out to him today. I wanted to give him at least a day. He's on vacation in Bali. So I think it was very nice of him to take the day to evening and talk to us. What's the what would the time have been there, Mark, in Bali? Look that up. Because it didn't okay. it was either early morning, maybe maybe it was just early morning. I guess that's what it was. Because I think they're about twelve hours like you are. Although no, it would have been late after late evening. I don't know. 
No, it would have been early morning yeah. if it was there. Yeah. Our, yes, uh, because it says it's five in the morning right now, uh, almost six in the uh, six in the morning right now. So it's so, like thirteen hours different from right uh, from here. So it must have been yeah. seven or, or yeah, seven o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, my uh, battery, my phone is going dead. I didn't think it would here, but um, I thought I, I would have enough time, but it's not going to make it. I just heard it give me a beep and said 5% left. Uh -oh. I don't think that'll last for the next 20 minutes or so, which is if we go for an hour. But I've actually run out of new things today because I spent quite a bit of time sort of looking at things for John yesterday. So I, I really covered everything I have, but mm -hmm. let's do this because we've got a, a good group out there. Anybody have anything specific you either want me to research or talk about or Lisa or Mark, any one of the three of us. And Lisa's probably back to driving again now. By the way, I'm riding my bike in the parking lot. There's nobody out here. It's a, it's a vacant area. So it's not dangerous at all, but yeah, just just feels good to get up and about a little bit. So anything there, Mark? Okay, so here is is one. Five pillars of construction, stormwater management are to be implemented in order to in order of effectiveness, the economy. Uh, they include the following uh, actions uh, in order to manage. So here, here are five uh, actions. So manage work, manage water, manage erosion, and manage uh, sediment. Any thoughts? Well, those are all excellent, and they all they all make sense, um, and they all things that any of us can do at a certain level, um, even if you live in an apartment and have a little porch or just your front doorstep. Um, so, um, yeah, my thoughts are we ought to just think about those and, and try to see what we can each do to implement them. And then let's look for some projects we can do webinars about or podcasts about that where, where people will tell us more about them and how we can learn to implement them ourselves. Right. Well, and right directly to that, Jacqueline in the chat posted a question about trying to running into some roadblocks. Uh, she would like to implement a composting program at her elementary school and people are afraid of the microbes. So there's some fear there around composting and what's gonna happen. So uh, any uh, thoughts about how to educate people on uh, composting? Yeah, well, again, it's a very reasonable, that is not a stupid question or thought. It really isn't. That's very thoughtful. As it turns out, it's false. But and, and if composting is done properly, that's the key. Because you need to know how to do composting in an appropriate way. And then more and then at the end of the process, when 
on that material that is degrading. That's what it is, degradation by microbes of, um, of biological matter. Uh, and that's either alive when you start the process. So that's what it would be, for example, food waste from your house that still could be alive, has living cells still, uh, yeah. or dead. Um, when that begins the degradation process, it's died and it's degrading. Um, again, if you if it's done in an oxygen-rich environment, it's rare that there are any microbes that are harmful. If it's done in an oxygen-poor environment, which is typical, by the way, there, are, there can be. And yet, once it reaches its conclusion, where what you have then is flesh-looking black, brown-black residues, I'm going to call it a soil base, um, you, it, it, it's, there's no way it's harmful. And and I guess let's let's say it was though. Let's say that those microbes weren't so good. Um, if you if, if and, and maybe you touch it with your skin, that there are rarely, and I'm not even sure there are any microbes that, that would through what we call dermal skin contact that could cause a problem. If let's say a little uh, someone ate some of that contact, it is possible then that it could cause a problem that you'd want to try to make sure that you avoided um, digestion, eating of, um, of that material. And we have interviewed uh, three times, maybe four, a lady who's an urban forager. And this is very cool. So this is my own version of it. But you can always tell by what something does when you put it near or in your mouth whether it's harmful or not um, right and, and if you uh, if you learn the methods to tell you should always be able to avoid it and, and clearly you would not want to let it be accessible to children who might just be grabbing anything and who don't even care about what they do when they stick it in their mouths so that's something you'd be taught real point is that yes there's obviously lots of teaching methods that can be used that would help uh, to allow. And, and, you know, this is back at, and Lisa's the one that helped us get Gwen. Um, there are sit towns around the country who have fear of, of uh, urban chickens because of, of the harm they might cause. And, and one of those harms is one that's of poisons and such and transmitting different kinds of diseases. And, and so those are probably false fears in most cases. And, and that's an education process. Right. And I think also starting small, like um, I know, for example, some teachers have started with worm bins in the classroom just to start with the, um, with the education on that. So that would, can be a small scale way to start introducing the concept of organic uh, matter, organic and food waste yep, uh, yep, recycling. Yep. Uh, because it, it can be like, you know, it depends on your scope of scale. Like if you're wanting to convert your school cafeteria to organic waste, then you're getting into like a lot of 
policy and legislation and things like that. So it's a little bit bigger, but starting small uh, with smaller projects uh, is a way to just get people used to the idea and get them used to, you know, get them thinking about what the next possible step can, can be. So I found that the, the teachers that I speak with who have uh, worm bins, like they are in high school sometimes and the students will walk by with their banana peels and they, they appreciate having the worm bin. So they, they learn a lot from, from having those smaller scale experiences as well. Oh, did we lose Wayne? Mm, uh, maybe he, he uh, maybe he ran out of batteries. Um, not seeing his camera. But uh, anyway, maybe we should wrap up at this time. Sure. And I've seen like a lot of activity ah, in the yeah. chat around this, so I'm hoping that. I'm glad yeah. to see that people are supporting each other with these conversations. We're so glad that you are able to join us so yeah. and share these things. So remember that there's the e-community uh, uh, educational platform. It's uh, the podcasts are there available uh, for replays when you're a member. There's courses about composting and there's courses about health and wellness and soil regeneration uh, available there too. So go, go to the website, theeatcommunity.com and explore the, the join options. And we would love to see you more often in there. And you know, if you're already a member uh, there, you can go and see the, um, you can get the the podcast replays and the courses are there uh, available for you at your uh, at your time, you know, at your availability. Convenience. Convenience. Right. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all right. It's so much fun. So, all right, you yeah, everyone, you have anything else? Mark yeah, to add? I appreciate you guys. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for um for your contribution uh, in tonight's podcast, and I would love to love to see more um, interaction from our audience. So yeah, this new Zoom format—we're so glad it's a lot easier <laughs> for us to for everyone to to connect and interact, and uh, we're really glad to see the, the energy uh, growing around that. Uh, we mm -hmm. so appreciate all of you for being here with us today and uh, since and we'll say goodbye for Wayne and uh, hopefully that he's enjoying his his fresh air time so we can all maybe uh, end a little bit early so maybe everyone can yeah. go out and get a little fresh air today if you aren't already out. So, awesome. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Hey everybody, I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT community podcast.